Coming up on the GM Shuffle, Washington and Dallas battle for first place in the NFC East. The Chiefs host the Raiders as they look to stay hot and grab their sixth straight win. And the world champs host the Bills. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Good to have you with us in the GM Shuffle. And Michael Lombardi, as ever, is innovative, uh, agile, willing to adjust. He's coming to us right now from a makeshift studio. Mike had told me on Monday, hey, I'm going to a speaking engagement in Austin. You're not in Austin. You're even in an even more plush locale. You're in a resort right now. It's Horseshoe Bay. Uh, I got a great opportunity to speak for ExxonMobil, which is really kind of uh, humbling for me. Uh, and so I took advantage of it, and I'm here in Horseshoe Bay. I've never been. It's the hill country. I feel like closer to Lyndon Johnson. I'm not too far from Johnson City. I should probably walk <laughs> over there and see if I could learn more about Lyndon. And, uh, you know, one of his great lines of all time, whenever he was introduced at, at, a, at a speech, he would often say, you know, uh, these are the times that I wish my parents were here because my father would have loved to hear it, and my mother would have believed it. So it's <laughs> a great line. Lyndon Johnson— all the way. Remember the uh, the great play which Brian Cranston won a Tony Award for. I saw that play. That was incredible. Brian Cranston oh. was unbelievable. But he was even better in the movie when they took it to the movie. Yeah. You know, and he you know, and he's like, get, get get you know, he's telling his tailor to give him some room in his ball sack. You know, like give me some room here in my ball sack. You <laughs> How know, about the fact like, he'd give orders while he's on the crapper. Like he'd be taking a dump. And oh, be talking loved, to guys. He loved to take a dump and get get loved to take a dump and give it. You know, apparently he was well endowed and he had no problem whipping it out. I mean, he would have been so unpolitically correct today, all the way with LBJ. And I encourage anybody if you're in Austin, Texas, please, please, please go go to the LBJ Library. It is a true, true education when you walk. Walk in. There's six floors. The first floor is the museum. Second, third, and fourth. Uh, second, third, fourth, and fifth floor are all just these red books you're looking at. Wow. I mean, red books. These and, and it's a huge building. It's on the campus of the University of Texas. Those red books are all his correspondence. Wow. And the red books are eat are probably six inches wide. And they fill up four floors. It's freaking amazing. The man worked his ass off besides taking dumps. <laughs> well, from Horseshoe Bay to a horseshit performance, the Buffalo Bills, they lose to the New England Patriots. Everyone's still talking about that game. The fact the Pats won on Monday Night Football in the cold while only passing the ball three times. It was amazing. I loved it, Mike. It was old school football, baby. It was great. I love it. And I kept sitting there thinking, what would Matt Nagy have done in this game? Probably thrown it 50 times, you know? Like, I kept sitting there watching the game. What would... What would some of these coaches do? So let, let's get a little background on the show, on, on what happened, right? So the Patriots, everybody knew it was going to be windy. Everybody knew going it. The Bills knew it was going to be windy. Everybody knew it was going to be windy. But on, on when they got up to Buffalo on the, in the afternoon that day, you know, and they looked out their window at 3 o'clock before they went over the stadium, it was beyond windy. It was gale force winds. I mean, this this kind of weather is what brought the Emmett Fitzgerald down, right? Right there on Lake Superior. <laughs> this is really what happened, right? So they, they then they get to the stadium. It's a complete whiteout. 
And then when they're in the stadium, they're trying to figure out the direction of the wind. If anybody knows anything about Buffalo Stadium, it's always windy there. And the wind is always a crosswind. But this wind was coming left to right. So, you know, the people that thought the wind being behind you, you could throw the ball. That actually became even harder to throw the ball with the wind behind you because there was a crosswind. There was a crosswind in the game. And so the Patriots just felt like, look, we're just going to try to run this ball and try to manage it and avoid losing. And and they were able to get away with it. I mean, the fact that they outgained them, the fact that they outgained them without even trying to throw the ball is somewhat remarkable, right? And they were able to do that. It's just what I, I wrote about this today for the Daily Coach. It's one thing to have a strategic plan. It's another thing to stick with the plan, right? So Belichick comes out with a strategic plan. They adjust the plan. They only had five running plays, AD, the whole game. They just adjusted the five running plays. And they knew that no matter what the situation, you couldn't kick field goals at one end. Like when the kid when the kid went to kick the field goal for Buffalo down there, it was a 33-yarder. Everybody on the Patriot bench knew he wasn't going to make it because it was too hard to judge the win. You almost had to bring it. It almost had to be like one of those shoot, uh, kick it 50 feet outside to get it back in. So they stuck to the plan and, and give them credit. I mean, it was a tremendous win. I thought it was a fun game to watch. I really did. Yeah, amazing game. And for the Buffalo Bills, you go, man, this team looked to be in the driver's seat with regards to the division, maybe the conference. Now you lose a game like that at home. New England's in the driver's seat, the AFC, and it's a wide open conference right now. It's the first time in 19 years through 13 weeks, every team's got at least four losses. There's no prohibitive favorite. And now the Patriots might be in the, in, in the driver's seat. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think fans at home could appreciate this, but the, a little inside here on on what happened during the game. The Patriots end up giving the ga- a game ball to get Devin McCourty because what was going on because of those side wins, McCourty, you, can, you could really only throw the ball to one side of the field. Even when you had the wind behind you, you could only throw it to one side of the field. So he kept running the coverage into that side. If you remember, J.C. Jackson almost had that interception. So McCourty's leadership on that team was remarkable to do that. And... You know, it, it just is, you could see this team in New England building so much cohesiveness. They'll have a tough challenge when they go to Indianapolis next week, but you're right, it's wide open. I mean, why not it, it, Why not now? I had some people tell me, yeah, I was doing a show on Visa, and they're like, well, is, did Belichick not trust Mac Jones? That's why he didn't throw the ball. <laughs> I mean, when are people going to stop picking on poor fucking Mac Jones? I mean, seriously, when are they going to stop picking on the guy? When can they accept what they see? Like, the guy's a really good player. You guys were all killing them during the draft. Like, why would you say that? I think what they wanted to do, and this is a lesson for all coaches, the number one thing you have to do in football is avoid losing first. So Belichick went into that with the game set. He wasn't going to throw the ball. It was going to avoid losing. They thought anything had happened with the passing game. And here's the thing that cracks me up. Everybody talks about, somebody said that Belichick, it was, it wasn't, it was one of his worst coaching jobs ever. He got bailed out, which is ridiculous, right? So anybody who, you know, when Buffalo had the win twice behind them, they didn't score. They scored one time with the win behind them only because the Patriots fumbled. The Patriots fumbled. They kicked a field goal and they had, that's how they got their 10 points. But they didn't move the ball with the win. They actually moved the ball better into the win when they had two plays of 11 drives. Yeah, it's crazy. When there's a game like that, the elements, we thought it would be snow, but instead there was no snow. It was the win, which is amazing. And like you said, every single time you go, okay, they've got the win. They're against the win. Like if you're against the win, you're not going to score, right? Inherit the wind, a mighty wind. It wasn't going to work out for you. Ultimately, the Patriots win. In terms of a major story, before we get to the games of this weekend, including the Cowboys in Washington, Russell Wilson. I mentioned my friend Dan Goldfarb texting me, saying, hey, do you think Russ would go to the Giants? Well, this story coming out yesterday, as we know, the Seahawks are going to undergo major changes. Is it Russ? Is it Pete Carroll? Well, let Russ cook. 
Apparently, he'd strongly consider playing for the Giants, the Saints, or the Broncos. Hey, sign me up for the Saints. Him with Sean Payton, I like it. Giants, come on. And Broncos, as we've been saying before, they're a quarterback away from being a really good team. What do you make of this? All three uh, good restaurant cities, actually. You can cook in any of those cities. I mean, look. I mean, you know, Manhattan, is is there a better restaurant place than Manhattan, New Orleans? I mean, who doesn't get fat eating in New Orleans? I mean, Russ can cook there good. You know, we got to get that apron cleaned up a little bit. We got to get, you know, we got to get him out of the diner and into a better situation. But yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think there's no doubt about that. Uh, Look, I, I find this report kind of interesting. I didn't realize this. Somebody told me this the other day that Shane Waldron is the reason he's there is because Russ wanted him. He's Russ's guy. I, I didn't see that. I thought it was Pete's guy. But somebody told me, no, no, Russ was that was, he was pushing that. So, you know, I, I don't know if, if Seattle, how is Seattle going to go through a metamorphosis of change? They have to because they gave up two number ones for Jamal Adams. Like you talk about really destroying your team's future with that. And then they paid him. Then they paid him. And now he's out for the season with a shoulder. Like, seriously, you can't do that. It's it's a little bit like having a center in basketball today. Yeah, it's great to have one, but they don't impact the game like they did 20 years ago. Having a strong safety is the same thing. I mean, what are we going to do with him? He's a linebacker. So I could see him having to trade Russell because they need to get some draft capital. And can they get that draft capital if he starts to play a little bit better? He played better last week, there's no doubt. But I find it interesting this report comes out. I would think Denver would be all over this. I mean, Denver is a quarterback away. The time period is close. And it all depends. Now, we know Denver could be opening, right? Denver's going to look, they could have a job opening. People have to remember now, this year, with two weeks left to go in the season, the, the, you can start interviewing coaches who are already under contract if you have an opening. So if you're going to open up your coach, right, you you should fire him with two weeks to go so it allows you the chance to get into the hat. Why wait until the end? You better get into it. So I think we're going to see Black Monday uh, happen on, you know, Black what, Week 17. Yeah, a week later than normal, but you're right. Vic Fangio could be in trouble. Let's get to the games. Cowboys and Washington. Dallas is 8-4. and four. They're on the road with their favorite against a resurgent Washington team who's 6-6. Six and six. Cowboys favorite at minus 4.5. They're finally whole on defense. Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence, the Canadian Neville Gallimore, Micah Parsons has been awesome. They're finally back in the starting line for the first time since week one. They've been feast or famine. What do you think about the Dallas defense against Taylor Heineke in Washington? Well, I mean, look, Taylor Heineke has been, you know, he's been really good, but now the competition steps up a little bit now. Now that pass rush, I mean, with Gregory back along with uh, Lawrence, uh, that those are two really good ins- players to come off the edge. And, you know, Gibson, I think J.D. McKissick mixed last week. Will he be back? I just don't see Washington being able to score the points. I think it's going to take Dak to make a lot of mistakes in this game. They're healthy on offense. C.D. Lamb, you know, they've got Amari Cooper. I don't know if, if, if Zeke's going to be 100%, but Zeke will be out there trying to run it. And their offensive line matches up. I mean, I think to me, this is a game if they were playing it in Dallas, Dallas would be a seven-point favorite. They're a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh I just don't see how Washington can score enough points. I mean, Washington has to keep this game in the under format. They've got to be able to grind it out like they did against Tampa Bay. You know, 12 play drives, keep the ball away from Dallas and win. I don't know if they can do that. Dallas will create some negative plays with their defense and really put the ball in Heineke's hand. Can he make the plays? That's the question. I, I, I don't, I'm not buying, I'm not buying Washington yet. You buying Washington? I'm not buying them. 
No, it's been a nice little run. And they, the main thing you said is they got to keep the ball away from Dallas. One of the biggest reasons for their success has been dominating time of possession. During this four-game win streak, they have been elite in that category. I don't think that'll continue against Dallas. And I also think this, if Dallas wins, the NFC East race is over. Right, they're going to be nine and four. Washington six and seven. Like it's ball game at that point. It's ball game. I mean, Washington could still compete for it. They're still in the wild card race. There's no right. doubt about that. There's a lot of shitty teams in the wild card race. I mean, that's the one thing we're going to let seven in, but really one of them doesn't belong. Right. I mean, it's great for TV. We get to watch another game. I'm all happy for it. But I mean, let's face it. They're not quality. They're not going to be quality teams unless they get hot. You know, unless they have that quarterback. You know, unless if Indy becomes the seven team and Wentz is playing at a higher level, you know, maybe they could make a run if their defense can hold on. Yeah, Eagles also a wildcard team, but they're not going to win the division when it comes to the NFC East. Elsewhere, Raiders and Chiefs. Chiefs are back, baby. They're eight and four. How about the spread? Nine and a half is the spread against the Raiders, who are six and six. Chiefs are at home. They've won five straight games. Offense has been up. Defense has been on fire. I think that's the biggest thing. If somebody said to me, how would you assess this Kansas City team? I'd say the way this defense was reconstructed, rejuvenated, reinvigorated midseason, it's been nothing short of remarkable. Yeah, I think finally, you know, Spagnola is the ultimate gambler. You know, I want a negative play. I want a negative play. And finally, I think he can limb down the scheme, play to his strengths, which is being physical, using Frank Clark, using Chris Jones, Jarrett Reed, his front seven. They got Sorensen off the field to get out of those matchups. And they've played really good. It's hard to run the ball on. On them and their corners have I've said this for a while their corners don't get enough recognition they play really well in the back end so you know this will be a hard game for the Raiders I mean this is a mental toughness game walking into the red square of, of Moscow there in, in the Soviet Union and in, in Kansas City I mean because it looks like you're right downtown Moscow I mean all that freaking red around you <laughs> right. it's going to be hard I mean they won there last year it's going to take Carr playing great. It's going to take Carr not getting hit. It's going to take Carr not getting hit in the first quarter. I mean, this Raider team is so bad on third down for as good as they are offensively. They're going to need Waller back to win this game. Nine and a half. I mean, the Chiefs barely covered last week. I mean, I, I was on them on my, one of my picks on odds on Lombardi. They were fortunate. I thought I was going to get backdoor covered on the final drive, and Denver didn't quite do it. So, uh you know, I, I, I just have no hope for the Raiders. I don't think the Raiders will be a wild card. I think that's another job. Obviously, it's open with with an interim coach right now, but I think the Raiders are headed for a major rehaul. Yeah, Rich Passaccia trying to keep the head coaching gig. The other issue, too, for Vegas, we talk a lot about Carr, but Josh Jacobs has been banged up all year. Kenyon Drake out for the season with a broken ankle. Like that lack of run game, just it's irreparable damage to Vegas's offense. And it starts with their offensive line, which when Gruden went there was the strength of their team. I mean, they had a really good line and they gotten rid of some guys, Gabe Jackson, Rodney Hudson. They've got rid of those guys. Richie Incognito, they signed him. He hasn't been able to play. I mean, that's what happens when you sign older players. They get hurt. You know, they signed Gerald McCoy uh, and they're shocked he's hurt. Like seriously, you're shocked he's hurt? You know, it's like he's been hurt. I mean, the guy's an older player. He can't help himself. So, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what Mark Davis does at this franchise because he always wants to hire an ex-Raider. You know, once a Raider, always a Raider. You know, and it's going to be how he shapes the organization because as much as he lights that torch every week for his father, they are nothing that would resemble his father's team. They have nobody in that building that understands what his father was all about. Just win, baby. We get to the Ravens and the Browns, two teams desperately in need of a victory. The Browns are favored at minus two and a half. They're a six and six team, but they're at home against the Ravens who are reeling. Baltimore ravaged by injuries. Marlon Humphrey joining Marcus Peters and J.K. Dobbins on the season-ending injury list. I mean, Baltimore right now, they are limping into this game. 
At the same time, if they can win at Cleveland, I think that would give them a real boost. How do you break this one down, Mike? Two and a half, Cleveland's favorite. You know, I mean, Baltimore has been ravished by it. I mean, you didn't, you know, Ronnie Stanley, the left tackle's out for the year. I mean, they are truly beat up. They're trying to fight their way through. And at some point, you get to the point like Tennessee, where when Tennessee was playing there without without all their starters, without A.J. Brown, without Julio Jones, those guys. And now, you know, without Henry, they, they just lose their guys. And Baltimore, this, like, Tennessee has it on offense. Tennessee's defense has been able to stay intact. I know Caleb Farley got injured their first-round pick, but for the most part, you know, they've been able to stay intact. They, you know, they've had some injuries that cost guys to miss games, but it hasn't season-ending injuries for Tennessee, whereas Baltimore's had season-ending injuries on both sides of the ball. I mean, this is historic what Baltimore's going through. As somebody tweeted we out that, that we don't give enough attention to their injuries. No, we do. We recognize. We recognize their injuries, just that they're not a good team right now. But I give them credit. They fight their asses off. I mean, they fight their asses off and they play. And they're, you know, they know they're going to get three points with the greatest kicker of all time and Tucker. This is a game to me, AD, that they have to limit big plays. This is a game where as bad as the Baltimore secondary is right now because of their lack of corners, they got to dare Baker Mayfield to throw it and beat them. Well, that's what I was about to say. So, so we know this whole controversial call, Harbaugh said after his listen, the, the injuries to our corners, I just wanted to win the game up against Pittsburgh and get it done. So everyone knows that's where they're vulnerable. That's where they're susceptible. But can Baker Mayfield, he sucks, but he's tough. Yeah. Can he take advantage of that Ravens? Because everyone knows, bro, throw the ball, exploit that secondary. Will he be able to do that? You know, they, they can't get away from their identity, but they've got to be able to throw the ball. I mean, if you're Don Martindale, you're going to dare him to throw. You're going to make sure that you're in a front that can handle the run. You can't give up big plays. You know, that that's the thing with, with Cleveland. When you look over their season, they can't score points when they don't make a chunk play. You know, when they don't get one of those bootlegs, naked guys wide open and Baker throws the ball to them, they can't score. So, you know, and, and then weather's going to be a factor. It's Cleveland. It's December. You know it's going to be windy coming off Lake Erie. So it's going to be, and Lamar's got to play better. I mean, Lamar has to find a way to play better. And, and their offense can't turn the ball over. So it's hard to beat a team twice, but Baltimore, I think, can, you know, Baltimore can rise to the challenge in this game. I know they beat them 16 to 10 the last time. Baker was terrible in that game. They hit him quite a bit. Baltimore, you know, and Cleveland's offensive line isn't healthy either. They lost Conklin, their right tackle. But this is one, if Cleveland doesn't win it, it's, it's over with for Cleveland. Especially in the AFC North, you feel like it's a division in which you could grapple right now between obviously the Ravens, also the Bengals. But if Cleveland loses this game, it'd be awfully tough at six and seven to be able to bounce back. Coming up next, some would say three is the magic number. The world champion Bucks are finding their stride. They've won three straight. The Patriots only needed three pass attempts to knock off Buffalo, which we talked about. And the Bucks hosting the Bills as three-point favorites. Will the magic continue or run out in Tampa? More previews next in the GM Shuffle. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So, as a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus 
for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do, go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bills and Buccaneers. The Bucs are favored minus three. The Bills right now, they need to win. This is a painful Monday night loss against the Patriots. Now they're going to go to the warm weather of Tampa. Big question here, Mike. How will the Bills secondary do against Tampa's passing attack, which has just been phenomenal from Tom Brady and company? Yeah, I mean, this could be a shootout. This could be in a 38-31 kind of game. I mean, I think Josh Allen's got to throw the ball really well in this game because Tampa's secondary is beat up too. They're, you know, they lost Jamal Dean last week, so they're, they're going to have to throw the ball. And the, the, the Bucks' strength is their defensive front, and the, and the Bills' weakness is their offensive line. Let's face it. You know, the Bills have built a team that's not conducive to cold weather. They can't. They every time they play a team that says let's get physical, they don't get physical. They can't get physical. So this will be a challenge. I, I think the bigger challenge for the Bills is going from that that severe cold weather on Monday night and then coming down to the tropics. The heat, the humidity. You know, this game if it gets into the fourth quarter, how much gas does Buffalo have left in their tank? The humidity just kills you. You go down in that, that Florida in December when you're not used to it, man, it's hard. It's really hard. So I wonder how that's going to affect the game. But this is Josh Allen's moment here. This is his moment. He's got to win the game for the Bills. The Bills have an easy schedule here on out. they got to play New England again. But after that, they should be able to put together some wins. So for me, this is this this is the moment. This is the moment. If they fall one more game behind the Patriots, it's going to be hard. They'll be looking for a wild card spot. Patriots have Indianapolis, and then they play Buffalo again. And then they then they have Jacksonville and Miami at the end of the season. So for me, this is this buff this is a this is a custard last stand game for Buffalo. They gotta nice. find a way to win it. Yeah. They gotta find a way to win it. You know, and they gotta do everything in their power to win it. And they've got to play well. And Brady knows them well. I mean, look, what's Brady, 38 and 2 against the Bills in his NFL career? Remarkable. I mean, it's remarkable, yeah. right? And he knows McDermott. Like, when he comes to the line of scrimmage, like, he's going to know. And without Tredarius White out there, can they play man-to-man? Are they going to play all zone? 
you know, this is going to be a hard game. Yeah. The Bucs right now are trying to solidify their push towards a Super Bowl. And as far as the Bills are concerned, they're just trying to win and right the ship. If they lose, they fall to 7-6. and six. It'll be a dogfight, even with that softer schedule. Uh, Steelers and Vikings are playing on Thursday night. We're taping this on a Thursday, though. Let's go to Rams and Cardinals, right? Monday night football. Yeah. I mean, this is a great game coming up because if the Rams can win this, they can actually be taken seriously. On the road against Arizona, Cardinals are favored minus two. And if the Cardinals win, you can really start to say to yourself, Mike, okay, this really is the best team in the NFC. I'm curious specifically, Cardinals passing attack against the Rams defense. Yeah, I mean, look, the Cardinals block them, they'll throw it. I mean, throw a ball away from Jalen Ramsey and make them have to make them see what they can do in their coverage. If they play zone, what are they going to do? Look, I, I I have spent 12 weeks doubting the Cardinals, and I'm done doubting them. I mean, even if they lose this game, I'm done doubting them. I mean, they're good. I mean, I thought they would fade at the end of the year. Too many old guys, but they're good. And Murray's good. And Murray can make plays, and they're secondary. They can attack the secondary. I think of the Rams, and you know this is going to be a game about depth. This is going to be a game about fourth quarter and how it holds up. The Rams haven't proven that they can win a tough game. They haven't proven that they beat the Bucks at home, but who else have they beaten? You know, they so they beat Jacksonville thirty-seven to seven. You know that's no real great achievement. So I, I like the Cardinals. I'm excited to watch it because to me, this is a game about mental toughness, and I want to see if the Rams have it. If the Rams are going to be contenders for the Super Bowl, we're going to see, we need to see their best performance. We can't see another Green Bay performance like they had. When they're coming off the bye and you think everything's okay, they've got to be able to handle it. And I just don't think their offensive line is, is going to be able to protect well enough. That's what I was about to say, the O-line for me. If the Cardinals defense gets in the backfield and makes life miserable for Matthew Stafford, could be a long night for the Rams. Monday Night Football, we'll see who the MVP will be of that game as Kyler Murray against Matthew Stafford. Should be a lot of fun. As always, send us your mailbag questions. The GM Shuffle at gmail.com or feel free to send us a message on Instagram at the GM Shuffle. This is from George. As a fan, it's so frustrating watching Lamar constantly in shotgun. Where was this offense under center to help the PA game? Uh, the O-line is bad on its own, but his def- offensive scheme has no attention to detail or purpose. Seems like Greg Roman is looking for his college job. <laughs> what would you think about bringing in a Gary Kubiak or Jim Caldwell, someone with ties to the organization that can help Lamar progress in the offense? Well, I mean, it's a little bit like being an alcoholic, right? Well, let's talk about Chrissy Moltisante when he went to, uh, to rehab, uh, rehab the, to the intervention. I mean, he didn't see it, right? You know, right. he had to do it. Paulie had to rip his ass. I mean, you know, he- Killed, really, he killed Adriana's dog by sitting on her. I just yeah, exactly. oh god, pissed Tony off so bad. I, I, I'm reading, I'm reading this book about the the history of HBO, and they talk about Gandolfini when they went to him to do an intervention. He told him to get the fuck out. Yeah. You know, and told him to fire him. You know, he wasn't interested in intervention, even though he had a ton of demons going through his head. Well, I mean, if we did an intervention on Baltimore, it would look like the Sopranos intervention. They don't admit they don't think they have a problem. They they don't recognize they're more worried about their defense giving up seven points against Pittsburgh than they are actually worried about their offense. You know, they don't change their offense. I mean, they talked about being under center more. They talked about I don't think they do enough offensively to help them to help the quarterback or help an offensive line that's beat up, that's lost a lot of guys to injuries. You know, I think that they just run their stuff. I, I think the question is fabulous because they said, Are you looking for a college job? Look, Roman can run the ball on anybody. He's got great run designs, but you've got to be able to utilize the skill set of the quarterback in the passing game a little bit on outside the numbers. I mean, we know he's not a great outside the numbers thrower, so make it so that he can throw it out there. But to me, the answer to the question is they don't think they have a problem. And so what good, what's good doing an intervention? They don't think they have one. 
As always, send us your questions. We appreciate that. That brings us to the Pop Culture Minute. The Power of the Dog, new film on Netflix. It's like a Western starring Benedict Cumberbatch. By the way, can you get a more pretentious name than a name that has six syllables? Benedict Cumberbatch. Just call yourself Benny Cumber, right? If he was in the mob, his name would be Benny Cumber, one of the guys down the street. But Benedict Cumberbatch playing a rancher. Uh, It's an excellent film. It's very foreboding and ominous. It's currently available on Netflix. If you like a good Western, a sinister feel to it, I enjoyed it. But I want to go back to what Mike was mentioning, which is James Andrew Miller's book, Tinderbox. It's 975 pages. It costs 50 bucks at your local Barnes & Noble, but it's absolutely fantastic. And I asked Jim, I interviewed him on Cinephile. By the way, this is episode 205 of me and Mike together, 201 episodes of Cinephile. I asked him about that opening and Mikey said, nobody knew that story. Like if you know the Sopranos, you know about Chrissy's intervention, but there was an actual intervention for James Gandolfini. Chris Albrecht, who was the executive in charge of HBO programming. You've got David Chase. You got Gandolfini's sisters. And they literally, he's just like, fuck all you guys, fire me. Like, a, a hell of a way to start a book. Yeah, it really was. He threw you right in. And then then, then I'm still at the part of the book where they're just the formulation of, of HBO and how they were able to get things going and going forward. I can't wait to get into the in-depth of how they did The Sopranos, The Wire, you know, even though I wasn't a, a big, uh, you know, uh, Game of Thrones fan. I didn't watch the program, but I mean, I can't fascinated to see how they did it and and what they were able to come up with. So it's a great book. I urge everybody. It's a it's a oral history. So there's a lot of commentary from people it interjecting into the into the story. So it's not just all narrative, and you can hear different people's perspective. But it was it's good, you know, and and. Benedict Cumberland, I mean, like, I thought he was a great Sherlock Holmes. I just can't see him sitting on a goddamn horse with a cowboy hat. Like, that face to me doesn't look like a cowboy. I'm sorry. I was about like, to I'm say. sorry. The casting of that, like, that just, that would be like putting me on a horse. Like, seriously, <laughs> with this nose and this fat face. No, like, seriously, like, I don't belong on a horse. You know, it's just, to me, it's it's like, it has to be fit, you know? It's like, it goes back to uh, take the gun, lead, take the cannoli, lead the gun. When, when Coppola wanted all Italian actors. And then in, in three, they violated their own code and went with, you know, actors that weren't Italian. That, and really, I think that's the essence of why three was so shitty. Garcia, I didn't think he fit, right. you know. George you know, Hamilton. Oh, disgusting. Disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. We should remove him from the, they should white him out. They should white him out. Like, what pompous asshole could ever be like that in a mob? Like, I get that. Like, like seriously. I mean, so I, I think that's really the key to the key to anything. I, I, I'm really excited to uh, to watch Ricardo. I real the Ricardos. Yeah. I'm really excited to see that. Yeah, being the Ricardos on Amazon Prime. It looks like the week of the 21st. So a couple more weeks. It's in theaters this week, but it's uh, Amazon Prime in a couple weeks. To be I was able to hoping you send me your link so I could sit in my X chair and watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It all comes back to the X chair. Uh, Have a great time in Austin. Good luck with the speaking engagement. We'll talk to all of you on Monday on the GM Show.